everybody to today's One Million by One Million podcast. We are speaking today with a friend from Turkey about their ecosystem, Early Bird Ventures partner, Jem Sertoglu. Welcome, Jem. Great to have you here. Great to be here, Sharmana. Thank you. Tell us about Early Bird. What is the focus of the firm? How big is the fund? What size investments do you make? And we will segue into the broader Turkey story from there on. Uh, sure. Uh, Early Bird is a European venture capital firm. Uh, we have three separate funds under management. I raised and run uh, with my team the Turkey and Central and Eastern Europe-focused digital lease fund within uh, mm-hmm. the Early Bird family. And the Digital Lease Fund is a $150 million early stage tech investor uh, focused on the uh, investments in the region. So uh, that's our primary, uh, our biggest defining characteristic is that we only invest in companies connected to uh, Turkey and Central and Eastern Europe. And uh, what is the size? Are you talking about Series A investments? What size are we talking? Uh, being Regionally focused, we find ourselves, uh, you know, quite flexible about the size and stage where we get involved. Uh, if you look at our first checks to date, they have ranged from a few hundred thousand dollars into a few seed, seed opportunities we've backed, all the way mm-hmm. to a, a $7 million check into an $11 million Series B round uh, for one of the later stage investments we've, uh, we've made. So we tend to be fairly open-minded and stage agnostic. Uh, of course, you know, focused on the on the earlier side, uh, seed A and perhaps B, B rounds. Okay, terrific. Talk to us about the trends you see in your deal flow and, and in that context, give us a picture of what what is happening in Turkey vis-a-vis startup ecosystems and tech, focused on technology and technology-enabled services. Of course. Um, well, we're fascinated by uh, the picture we're seeing. Um, as, the, as the founding partners, uh, we come from uh, angel investing backgrounds. So we were entrepreneurs uh, and professionals uh, who went into making personal investments. And mm-hmm. uh, after some experience and some uh, early success with our, with our angel portfolios, uh, we ended up uh, raising uh, this fund in 2014. Um, so we do have a perspective of having sort of been on the ground for the last decade or so, um, and uh, the, the changes are, are fascinating. Uh, first of all, we see that the, the quality of uh, opportunities, the quality of tech startups in the region are improving. Um, both uh, in Turkey and Eastern Europe, there is a very strong legacy of uh, engineering, uh, software engineering education, uh, technical education, and mm-hmm. uh, also some good precedents of, of, of companies that have uh, sort of emerged from the region. Uh, a lot of times, uh, if you hear the names of these companies, you don't think of them as being uh, Eastern European uh, companies uh, to, the, to the marketplace, to, the, to their clients. They look like uh, Western companies, um, mm-hmm. and that's on purpose. Uh, but uh, when you look at the company's history, you see that uh, there, a lot of their product developments uh, and technology is actually rooted uh, here in the region uh, with their R&D teams and uh, product management function um, still remaining in the, in the region. And these are uh, companies like uh, AVG, Avast, um, or uh, you know, companies like uh, you know, Skype that came out of Estonia, MySQL. So uh, we, we see that uh, this, this legacy is quite strong. Um, and the, the global playbook 
uh, on how to build a, uh, a tech company is now much more much more visible, uh, you know, all the way from uh, sort of parodies like Silicon Valley, the, the TV show, to the social network, the movie, and, uh, you know, the, the tech blogs and sort of podcasts like yours. I think, you know, as a, as a young entrepreneur uh, with a dream to uh, build a global company, you now have uh, many more resources at your disposal. And we, as, as investors, are, are benefiting from this as the, the quality of the teams that we're seeing is, is constantly uh, improving. Um, another uh, trend that I think we're seeing is that there's an increase in in companies that are thinking globally from day one. I think the confidence of uh, again some of these young companies is going up tremendously. They're seeing examples of companies like Atlassian coming out of Australia and sort of conquering yes. the world with products like Jira, or Zero coming out of New Zealand. Um, I, I think the you know young young founders are now much uh, sort of give themselves the license to be much bolder, and we're seeing uh, an improvement in in that as well. So a couple of questions uh, emanating from what you just said. First and foremost, let me observe that the two companies that you cited, Avast and AVG, both of which we cover extensively um, over the years, um, are both out of Czech Republic. Both are Prague right. headquartered. And, uh, and of course, uh, Skype from Estonia is a much bigger success story. Uh, that was kind of an outlier, but it really set the Estonian ecosystem on a, on a great trajectory, uh, having gone through that experience. Um, what do you see in, so it sounds like Estonia, uh, Czech Republic, Hungary, all that falls within the scope of your fund, yes? Uh, that is true. So what do you see? Is it B2B, B2C? Where is the sweet spot of your entrepreneurs? Um, we have two very distinct strategies that we focus on. Um, the first strategy is what we call local champions. Um, these are companies that are typically uh, focused on large markets, both geographically. So we would probably back the, these type of companies only in markets like Turkey or Poland. Um, mm -hmm. maybe Ukraine, maybe Romania, but certainly not places like Slovakia or, or Estonia uh, where the local market is not big enough. Mm -hmm. And in these businesses, we look for usually uh, proven business models uh, and proven tech uh, technology um, in, that's being utilized in the company. So these are, uh, I mean, you could call them copycats. These are models that have worked elsewhere. And yeah, concept arbitrage. Exactly, strong, strong local execution uh, requirements, and uh, you know, as long as they're not uh, they're not too niche, uh, as long as they're uh, looking at sizable markets in their respective geography, we uh, we we back uh, these types of companies. And in our uh, in our uh, history, we actually this is an area where we've been uh, quite successful. We were the um, first investors into the two largest Turkish uh, tech exits um, in the past. Uh, one is a, an eBay-type company, the largest uh, e-commerce marketplace in, in the country, uh, where we uh, sold the company to eBay in 2011. Mm -hmm. And the second one is a uh, food delivery business called Yenexipiti, which is uh, a, a phenomenal company, uh, which now makes up, uh, I'd say, a very substantial part of uh, Delivery Hero. 
It was mm-hmm. uh, sold to Delivery Hero in 2015, and uh, with the recent IPO, we now see that uh, the Turkish business accounts for almost a third of uh, the, the 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 metrics within Delivery mm-hmm. Hero. So uh, it's it's a company we're very very proud of. Uh, we're also investors in a uh, in a large. Um, uh, retail e-commerce company focused on fashion. Uh, you can think mm-hmm. of it as like the Balando of Turkey. Um, also mm-hmm. very dominant uh, and 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 uh, a clear winner in that in that vertical. So we do think that um, we we have experience with building these uh, large local winners, and we continue to see uh, young companies that are headed in the in the same direction. So about half. Well, I think you have the advantage of a pretty sizable domestic market in Turkey. So. I can see why that is the case, yeah? Absolutely, and uh, Turkey is interesting in that. I mean, I think most people don't think of Turkey as being such a, such a large market or a strong, uh, strong uh, market in that regard. But uh, Turkey has an $800 billion economy. Uh, I recently read that the, uh, the, the PPP, the Purchasing Power Parity, adjusted uh, number is $2.2 trillion, and it, would, it makes Turkey the number 13 largest market in the world. So you're absolutely right. And what are the internet adoption and mobile adoption statistics in Turkey right now? What, what uh, kind of numbers are we talking? Very strong. Uh, internet penetration is about 70%. And mm-hmm. the country has a very young demographic that is very technology savvy. Um, mm-hmm. For uh, technology leveraged businesses, uh, infrastructures like payment infrastructure or delivery infrastructure, logistics infrastructure, etc., are very, very strong. Uh, Turkey has the highest number of credit cards per capita in Europe, uh, even higher than the UK. So uh, it's actually a very attractive uh, e-business. Uh, markets, uh, if, you're, mm-hmm. if you're going about it in the in the right way. So, Talk to uh, us a bit about um, what's happening in your ecosystem. So, you are doing some seeds, largely Series A, from your investment stage point of view. Is there much of a pre-seed, seed, post-seed ecosystem that has come together in terms of funding environment in the Turkey and uh, Central Europe? Uh, Eastern Europe area? Um, different countries show different characteristics. Um, I mean, first of all, it's, I think, very difficult to talk about a large ecosystem in any part of our uh, geography. True, maybe except yes. For, mm-hmm. uh, maybe with the exception of Estonia, which is a small market, but it's uh, quite dense with uh, technology activity. But uh, mm-hmm. the other countries, uh, I wouldn't say, are, uh, you know, I think every single country in our geography is lacking in, in capital that's, that's focused on technology investments, uh, probably by an order of magnitude. Uh, having said that, uh, the, the trends are all in the right direction. Uh, almost every country has adopted um, uh, incentives towards uh, business angels making personal investments towards, uh, towards young startups. Uh, Turkey is certainly an example of that. It's actually been uh, quite successful. The, the amount of angel activity in Turkey has uh, has exploded with, uh, with some of the incentives that the government is providing. Um, there are also public uh, programs that encourage uh, capital flow into, into young technology companies. Um, I'm just today uh, coming uh, from Poland where uh, the, the, country, the development, Polish Development Fund is launching a fund of funds program uh, dedicating about half a billion dollars of, of new money into into VC over the next five years. So the the trends are on the in the right direction. 
However, uh, these, these markets are still quite capital start, especially for checks that are larger than, you know, a uh, couple of million dollars. Uh, that's, you know, I think there's a lot of gaps in the, in the, in the funding curve uh, along the way. So that's why we wanted to be more of a flexible uh, investor. We can, we can write checks on, from, you know, a couple of million dollars all the way to five, ten million dollars uh, per investment. So uh, it gives us a, a, an advantage. So now, um, as you know from my writings, I know you read the, some of my writings. Um, I'm a huge proponent of bootstrapped entrepreneurship, and and you know, having worked in this ecosystem for all these years, and and really observed the um, development of different ecosystems in different parts of the world, bootstrapping happens to be one of the uh, really important ways that ecosystems come up, right? You get a few startups that kind of success, become successful in a bootstrap manner, and then uh, the investments start and so on and so forth. So what is, what is the status of the Turkish or Central European ecosystem vis-a-vis bootstrapped entrepreneurship? Are you seeing a lot of bootstrap companies getting quite a bit further along and then seeking funding? Um, that, is, uh, that is one model that we see especially for companies that have been around for some time. Uh, we see that some of the best of the best have actually uh, bootstrapped their way to success. Um, I, I think it was a bit of a luxury in the, in the first generation of internet business in Turkey uh, or, or the region um, where they started in the, in the sort of the early 2000s um, and where there wasn't a lot of competition there. They each sort of had time to develop uh, in their sort of healthy matter um, mm-hmm. and they went on to become uh, some of the biggest successes in the in, in the region some of these guys ended up raising money later on uh, mm-hmm. in their in, in their progression to sort of uh, strengthen their domination of their respective niches but uh, they came from bootstrapping uh, bootstrap backgrounds um, today to, today we find that again you know some of the best opportunities out there are companies that are displaying uh, bootstrapped mentality, but are also smart about getting their hands on enough capital to sort of make sure that they don't slow down in their, in, in their progress. Uh, you know, because sometimes, uh, you know, if you're, if you're too slow or uh, too cautious, um, you make room for competition, uh, which, is, which is probably these days much faster uh, to come about. And, uh, but the, the lean, and bootstrappers mentality combined with uh, the, the right source of capital we, we see these days is probably the recipe for, the, for some of the greatest successes uh, we're seeing in the marketplace. And uh, you've mentioned a bunch of uh, you know, case studies of B2C uh, success um, from your ecosystem. And of course, Avast and AVG are both B2B security companies. Um, what do you see in B2B in the early stages right now, is there also B2B activity? Uh, there certainly is, and that's the second part of our strategy. So the first example I gave was the local champions, which are mostly consumer-based right. businesses. The second leg of our strategy is uh, funding B2B businesses. Uh, we call them global innovators. Uh, this is innovation coming out of the region, but going after a global uh, problem. One characteristic that we see in these companies is that they are focused on 
usually a narrower niche in the in the overall uh, B2B technology or enterprise technology spectrum that they tend to focus on a, on a narrow area and try to be the best in the world at what they specifically do. And uh, if they're able to uh, achieve that, then, you know, uh, the, the global uptake is, is quite strong because, uh, you know, the, the, the ability to go to markets uh, wherever you may be in the world, um, again, with now effective distribution channels, uh, direct selling through the, through the Internet for some of the SaaS businesses, et cetera, is, uh, you know, makes it possible for these guys, again, you know, regardless of where they come from, to, to reach a global uh, business audience. Um, we are uh, we we find these companies to be more uh, technology driven, so we're we're very much okay taking technology risk. They tend to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, they tend to uh, keep their uh, sort of product and R&D function in the in the region, but take their market facing uh, part of the business to closer to their customers. So most of the time, they're headquartered either in the states, Silicon Valley, New York, or 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 the UK or Germany. Um, so, and we, we have a, a, we have about a half of our portfolio are companies that fit this description. Um, and, and are these enterprise facing companies or SME facing companies? Where is the sweet spot of the B2B um, side of the equation? Our, our current portfolio is, is a mixture, but I think we're a little bit heavier on the enterprise facing companies. Uh, I think that's the, Really, a function of, of the, the, the background of the partners in my fund. Uh, we, you know, the three of the four partners have actually uh, built uh, enterprise software companies uh, around the world, and uh, we have we have probably more to uh, bring to the table uh, if if a, if a venture is is headed into the into the enterprise uh, enterprise sales uh, world, and uh, so we, we have a bit of a, a concentration of enterprise facing. We do have one uh, SME facing company. Why don't we uh, talk about a couple of examples from your portfolio of enterprise-facing companies? You've you've given some examples of what's happening in the concept arbitrage area. Give us some examples of, of good companies of coming out of your region in B two B. Of course, uh, one of the sort of the rising stars of the portfolio is a company called UiPath uh, out of Romania. Uh, this is mm -hmm. a business where we invested uh, about two years ago uh, with uh, almost negligible uh, recurring revenue. Um, they were doing some consulting uh, type type work uh, for their clients, so they they had some revenue, but very little of it was uh, sort of you know uh, top type revenue. Uh, fast forward two years, uh, the company's uh, poised to end the year with uh, 20 to 30 million dollars of ARR, um, mm -hmm. and is is literally on fire. Uh, has uh, is, is in the process of moving their uh, headquarters to the U.S. Have opened offices in London and India and Japan and and. Uh, and what do they do? What is the focus? Uh, they are uh, probably the leading uh, robotic process automation software company. So uh, they help uh, large enterprises with complex legacy backend systems to automate a lot of the functions. Um, these are usually systems that uh, that cannot really uh, integrate and talk to each other. You know, good examples are uh, um, functions like uh, claims processing for insurance companies or compliance management, the KYC and uh, anti-money laundering processes for financial services organizations, uh, where uh, these, these are usually relegated to 
uh, fairly repetitive manual clerical workforces, uh, not mm -hmm. really making the best use of the, the, the human capital, where uh, you can actually automate a lot of these um, these functions uh, at the at the input output levels uh, layers of the of the of the computer systems, uh, almost similar to recording an Excel macro uh, if you remember how those worked. Uh, but yeah. uh, operating them on on on, uh, on legacy enterprise systems. I'd like to do a story on them. Why don't you ask them to contact uh, me, and and I'll uh, definitely put them in our entrepreneur journey series. It would be interesting to see uh, 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 the details of this company. I, I think they'd uh, they'd love to do it. Uh, a second example. Uh, so this UiPath is a Romanian company that I just mentioned. Um, a Turkish company in a similar vein is uh, a company called Hazelcast. Uh, it's one of the leading in-memory data grid uh, products, so uh, it's, a, it's a part of the big data architecture. Uh, it's a, mm -hmm. a software product that allows uh, processing of data when there is no time to read or write from a, from a, a database. So you mm -hmm. build a data grid, and uh, Hazelcast is an open core uh, product, uh, again, one of the highest benchmarked products in the in the market, um, the company's uh, performing very, very strongly. Uh, it's uh, you know the, when we met them, they were four Turkish engineers sitting in an office that was made of a, a shipping container in one of the techno parks uh, here in here in Istanbul. Uh, today, the company's uh, about 100 employees with an R&D office here in Turkey and headquarters in Palo Alto, and mm. uh, with a with a client roster that includes uh, you know. A lot of the the, the uh, you know uh, banks like Morgan Stanley and Citibank and uh, insurance companies like USAA, uh, you know, uh, top um, insurance companies uh, include uh, like Allianz and um, and just a, a blue chip list of clients around the world. And it's another one of the companies we're very proud of. Great. Well, same. Um, you know, we'll love to cover them. Absolutely. Um, I'll, uh, I'll get get both of them in, in touch with you following this. Great. So last question. You know, one of my observations, and this is very pertinent to ecosystems such as the one that you're operating in, uh, one of my observations is that we are in 2017. Lots of stuff have already been built. Nowadays, there aren't so many wide open opportunities to build these multi-billion dollar uh, businesses out of one product area. But there are many, many niche opportunities. And some of these businesses need to be built in a very capital-efficient way with small amounts of capital, maybe a million, two million dollars, and then sold for 10 to 15 million dollars such that they go to market through some, uh, you know, the acquiring company's channel perhaps. They create the product, prove out the problem, uh, the positioning and so forth, and then they go to market through somebody else's channel. Or even smaller, maybe something built with really in a very capital-efficient bootstrap manner, 250, 500K in capital investment and then sold for 5 to $10 million. Is this something that you are open to? Is this something you're seeing in your ecosystem happening? Because this is going to create a lot of momentum for the ecosystem. Um, you're touching a very, very interesting point. Um, unfortunately, I don't think what you're, uh, what you're describing applies to our market uh, because, uh, you know, typically – uh, the local buyer universe for technology companies is, is quite small. You rarely see a, a Turkish tech company. No, I don't think local company. buyers is how this is going to play out. This will have to play out with the global buyers. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. uh, and 
there, there the problem is uh, more of just coverage and ability to execute on the corporate development front. I think we see almost on a daily basis like small acquisitions or sometimes even acqui hires of situations where you know a team gives it a shot and it doesn't work out and they get absorbed really for the team strength into one of the large uh, Silicon Valley tech uh, giants. Uh, but I think it would be very difficult for a, a Facebook or a, or a Snapchat or a, or a Google to come in and acquire and absorb a, a small Turkish. I'm actually not talking about acquire. I'm talking about um, identifying a you know product niche because you know large companies can only do so much of their own R&D and coming up with new product ideas, even if they're extensions of their product portfolio. So there are always gaps in those product portfolios. And um, and some of the early stage investors that we work with or talk to on a regular basis are starting to pay attention to these gaps. And, and these are great opportunities to do these kind of small scale, you know, small investments, develop the product, get a few customers, get the um, business opportunity validated, get ensured that there is a, a reasonable TAM, let's say a $100, $200 million TAM for that product and then sell it to somebody else who's going to actually take it to market on a large scale. I'm not so much talking about acquihire. I understand. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, from a you know, uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's sensible for, for both the acquirer and the seller's perspective. It just to me, I, I don't think we see we've seen any examples. You haven't seen it yet. I think right. I think I think those guys. Uh, I think this acquisition is a bit of a scale game. I think uh, for a company to make it to the radar of a of a global buyer as a as a strong product in a particular niche, I think. By the time it gets into the radar of a, of a potential acquirer, I think they are at that point substantial. They have sort of uh, made a dent into maybe the acquiring company's line of business in that particular area. Um, so they tend to be sort of $100 million plus. I don't think we've seen, at least in our region, uh, I don't think we've seen. Yeah, but, but you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's a corporate development issue because <laughs> I think this is, this is a game. If you want to play this game, you have to play it proactively and get on the radar of the corporate development people whose radar you want to be on. It can't happen by chance. You will have to put your companies on their radar. That's a great point. And I, I, I could name probably 20, 30 companies today that's where it would make a lot of sense for, uh, for a global player to come and, and buy the strong products and just put it into their, into their sales channel for, uh, for just... Uh, for right, rapid, right. And I think it would make sense because, uh, you know, these are immature ecosystems, right? And building the full sales channel and trying to go the full distance with a you know, trying to build a $100 million company, it's not going to be that easy. I mean, it's going to, we have to, these ecosystems will need to learn how to walk before they can run. That's, that's very true. On the other hand, uh, I think, again, with the, with the amount of encouragement and the, the visibility of the tech playbook, um, you also find that the, the, the best entrepreneurs in the region are, are really, really ambitious. I mean, a lot of times they would, they probably wouldn't take the you know forty fifty million dollars small win, and if they feel like their the, the product is that good, they they'd rather uh, sort of die trying rather than selling out early. I think that's also a behavior 
we're seeing. Um, as investors, we're very sort of IRR driven you know, or, or multiple driven. If it makes sense for us to sell, uh, we will sell. And we usually, uh, of course, leave that decision to the founders. But uh, we also see that some of our uh, sort of best founders tend to be very tenacious and very, very ambitious. <laughs> I hope it works out. Exactly. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the story of a founder, right? Uh, yes. Arrogance sometimes doesn't pay off. Pragmatism pays off better. On the other hand, sometimes it does pay off. Exactly. All right. Well, Jim, it's very nice speaking with you. I uh, look forward to keeping in touch and do send some of your uh, successful case studies over, and we will uh, make sure they get the coverage that they deserve. Fantastic. I'll do that. And thank you very much. Take care. Very much enjoyed this. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.